thought writing the book would have been the hardest part of this process, but reading it, I, I went home every day with a throat ache. I didn't realize until I was in the studio doing it how challenging and thrilling it is to read your own words. For a week, like I was very worried about doing things outside of recording the audiobook that would be a strain on my throat. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet journalist Tiffany Drayton, poet Paul Tran, and journalist Karen Chung. These authors have written books in which they explore the intersection of personal experience and the broader culture, whether rethinking the American dream, answering trauma with resilience, or delving into the meaning of memory in a shifting geopolitical landscape. Listen in to learn more. Plus, find out what it was like for these authors to record their audiobooks. Enjoy. This is Tiffany Drayton, author of Black American Refugee, Escaping the Narcissism of the American Dream. I wrote my book because I needed space to process all that I had experienced over the years as a Black woman living in America. It was a labor of love and a culmination of 10 years' worth of essay writing. The essay that really inspired this book was published in the New York Times right around the murder of George Floyd. Back in 2020, when I saw that gruesome footage of George Floyd under the knee of that police officer, I knew I had to say something. As a person that prides themselves on speaking up always against injustice, I was propelled at that precise moment to speak up, and I was grateful that the piece that I wrote landed on the pages of the opinion section of the New York Times. That piece became the inspiration for this book, if I had to describe what it was like recording my book in one word, that word would be challenging. I thought writing the book would have been the hardest part of this process, but reading it, I, I went home every day with a throat ache, and I hope everyone understands it was a labor of love. I realized I had problems pronouncing the word asked. In fact, I'm wondering if I even said it right this time around. I asked. I don't care what anybody says, it's right. The end. I am excited that listeners will get to have the chance to actually hear my voice because I've been a writer for so many years that oftentimes I feel like much of what I think and believe sometimes gets lost on the page. So the listeners get this really unique opportunity to hear how I express myself, and that's just really gorgeous and beautiful to me. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I'm going to flatter myself and say that I would cast Maya Angelou to do my book. I would, of course, have to do some type of incantation so she could join us from beyond the living. But nonetheless, I would so do that, and she would definitely record my book. I really hope you enjoy this clip from my audiobook. It was 1994, and in Trinidad, it was the dry season. There was little rain, and the colorful pui trees sprouted flowers that blanketed the country's mountains, turning them from green to pink, yellow, and orange. Spring would be different where I was headed to in New Jersey. There, spring meant that the sun had just begun to peek out from behind the winter cloud cover, and temperatures were brisk and fresh at last, instead of freezing cold. 
I was four years old, kneeling on the seat of an airplane, soaring thousands of feet above the shoreline of New York City, and my relationship with America was about to begin. Hi, this is Paul Tran, author of All the Flowers Kneeling. I started writing this collection of poems after I was raped my junior year in college. My assailant was reportedly a very influential alumni and very involved with the school. And when I told my advising dean, I was given two pamphlets, one for psychological services and one for time management. And I was told that if I didn't complete my coursework by the end of the term, I was at risk of losing my scholarship. I really just wanted someone to believe me, to help me. And I learned the hard way that I had to believe and help myself. All of my poems stem from that lesson. Every poem I write begins with a question and ultimately culminates in being a historical record that documents a lesson that I have learned, a lesson I try not to forget, though often I surely do, but I have the poem as that document to return to so that my history does not repeat itself. I hope that this book takes down commonplace ideas about what it means to be a good survivor or a bad survivor, and that it makes the argument there are as many ways to survive as there are survivors, and that there's no right or wrong way. Survival is survival in the end. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be, I don't know, it was very fun. The word is fun. I realized I had trouble pronouncing many, many, many things, and I was really lucky to have been directed by an incredible director and engineer who were patient with me and who let me record things again when I said them wrong. I was proud already writing these poems, and I thought the opportunity to read them as part of the audiobook would just be a really cool one, and I didn't realize until I was in the studio doing it how challenging and thrilling it is to read your own words, to control how a listener will experience the poem. In poetry, I was taught to think about voice, and it's an idea that I try to teach my students about. But to record poems in your own voice, your literal voice. That's another thing altogether. And I'm excited that the listeners will get to hear how the poems sound in my mind. And in that way, experience maybe how monotonous my mind might be sometimes, but also how dramatic. And I hope they will enjoy it. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast... I mean, right now I'm thinking of Florence Pugh, but I'm also thinking of Glenn Close. She delivers this amazing, amazing monologue called The Virtuoso of Deceit in Dangerous Liaisons, which I love. 
Oh my God, it might just be Glenn Close. I'll stick with that. Glenn Close. And now listen to a clip from my audiobook. You chase me. You swing your sword, yet I remain beyond your reach. I'll surrender, I tell you, when you detach from your received idea of purpose. So you do. You set down your weapon. But I didn't mean the blade in your hand. I meant the blade in your mind. Hi, this is Karen Chung, author of The Impossible City, a Hong Kong memoir. I wrote my book because I really wanted to have an opportunity and a space to be able to tell these Hong Kong stories that I feel like don't usually get that much space or isn't considered very sexy for international media, especially given this kind of length. A lot of the times when we say something that happens in a place or a country is a story, the implicit understanding is it has to be worse than what is happening in, let's say, America or the UK. And I wanted to be able to prove that these stories can be human and interesting in their own ways. That's why there's a lot of focus and issues that I think are very important to life for Hong Kongers in the past 10 years or 20 years, including mental health, trying to find affordable housing, basically growing up with this very weird fading influence of pop culture and all taking place against the backdrop of protests that's been happening in the past 10 years or so. Another reason is I'm just a person who is very terrified all the time of forgetting things, basically. Like, I'm a very paranoid person when it comes to making notes and writing journals. I always want to remember exactly what happened, and I get freaked out when I realize I forgot details. In the face of this potential, you know, collective forgetting that the state wants to impose and feels like it's on track to imposing, I wanted to be able to record what I remembered in the form of a book and in a way that is more literary. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be throat. I've heard from friends before what it's like to be a vocalist in a band and touring in a band. And I remember one of the people I interviewed actually for the book a long time ago, she told me, she was like, when you go on tour and you're the vocalist, you have a responsibility to make sure your throat is okay. And she would be at a hot pot and she would be the only one who can't eat spicy hot pot. And that was kind of how I felt like for a week. Like I was very worried about doing things outside of recording the audiobook that would be a strain on my throat. And still I was kind of close to losing my voice on the last day. I realized I had trouble pronouncing so many words. <laughs> one of them, at least off the top of my head, is popular and not popular. And there's just a lot of these small things that I didn't really realize were mispronunciations that I have. It's especially difficult because I grew up in the sort of like weird second language English state and I've heard all sorts of accents and they're all sort of like mangled together. I mispronounce a lot of words, it turns out, and now I know. 
I'm excited that listeners will be able to hear how I speak Cantonese because a lot of it is sort of interwoven into the text itself. And that was kind of the reason why I was insistent on doing the audiobook myself. Even though I know an actor was probably going to be doing a much better job than I did, but it was really that I wanted to make sure the Cantonese sounds like how I would say it and how my friends would say it. Yeah, I kind of want to recreate that sense I also get when I'm learning a different language and you know, when I'm reading a lot of the times, there's going to be words in a different language that I don't necessarily understand, but I'll be able to pull from contextual clues. Cantonese is a very colorful and a very melodious language, I think. So that is something that I am really excited about. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast my friend Adrienne. We joke about this sometimes, and she's one of my best friends, and she knows that I've been doing this for the past couple of weeks, and I've kept her updated about, you know, where I am, at which chapter. And when we were having dinner the other day, she said, wouldn't it be really interesting if you just read the entire book in Hong Kong accented English and it just sounds like that the whole time and I was like I don't think anyone's gonna buy it if I read it like that but she was like but then it's really authentic and I was like hmm like she can do it because she's very good at doing a very Hong Kong accent English like she slips in and out of that accent and her trying to be more international accent so yeah I think it would be hilarious if she recorded my audiobook and she's also in it. As we're doing this, it's the holiday season and I feel like there are things that are appropriate especially for holiday season. So I was listening to Anna Karenina on audiobook and I think because of the balls and the dinners and the social gatherings and family drama and everything, it just felt like a very Christmas-appropriate book. Maybe not the last part because it gets a little bit depressing. But yeah, that was a very good holiday audiobook recommendation. I love listening to audiobooks while I cook. <laughs> it's like an activity. It's like something that I would deliberately make time for. I think because cooking is one of my soothing activities. I like doing it after work to just sort of switch off my mind a little bit. And then I started realizing, actually, I don't have to switch off my mind either. I could cook while I listen to something that I love. And so that's something that I've been doing a lot in the past year. I think it started during the pandemic. But I would be making very elaborate things or waiting for a stew to become, you know, less liquidy. And I would be listening to, I don't know, Davis Sedaris talking about something weird. And that's been something that I really enjoyed. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Summers in Hong Kong always heave with rain, but on this 1st of July, the downpour feels deliberate, overdone. The water is charging down the steps, drenching our concrete pavements, dripping from the banyan trees. The observatory hoists the black rainstorm signal to warn us of tumbling landslides. It is too neat a metaphor, but still, we're pointing to the sky, mumbling to ourselves. It's crying. 
This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.